Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only, and I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994, many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com, and if you want to join all you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written, published article, Who Was at the Helm, from 1965. It's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage show from 324.94, the earliest show in the archive, 324.94. My interview with Donald Trump from 110.2011. 110.2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump. Much more. And remember, subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week. The cost is less than a beer at a bar, and you get a better buzz with, with the Savage Premium. So go to, go to glow.fm slash Savage Premium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else. Thank you very much. 
All right, welcome to your favorite podcast in the entire universe, the Michael Savage Podcast. Today's podcast is entitled The Speculator. Is there a bit of the crypto crook in all of us? You know, there used to be a phrase, there's larceny in everyone's heart. I'm afraid that's true, meaning people will take what they can get if it's not nailed down. I know not everyone will, but most people will. And so we're watching this crypto crook, Sam Bankman-Fried, being bum-marched into a Bahamian prison. He looks like a lost Nebuchadnezzar kid who never believed this could have happened to him. And it got me thinking about a short story I wrote many years ago that's included in my book, A Savage Life. And the story is entitled The Speculator in a Garden of Numbers. And what it's about, it's about a guy who owns a bookstore who's sort of a left-winger. He's a humble bookstore owner. And somehow he invests his life savings into the commodities market only to find himself losing everything. And what it does to him at the end is an amazing story. He's a poor kid, owns a bookstore, and uh, he doesn't believe in investments or speculation. But he goes into the commodities market and invests in cocoa. And you'll see what happens to him. And you'll see that it could happen to anybody. The merest stock trader whether you invest in simple, safe stocks or you're a wild speculator, there may be a bit of Samuel Bankman-Fried in all of us. And after that story, I discussed this story with my savage team, Karen and Doug, and we had a great conversation about the current news, uh, this story in particular, the Bankman-Fried story, and much more. So you can hear my thoughts on the crypto schemer and then some behind-the-scenes banter with the savage team as we lay out the podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Michael Savage. So we're beginning today. We're talking about what we might do on Friday for the Friday pod. We have a wonderful podcast up right now that uh, went up. I think it was yesterday, right? What did we put up yesterday? Fatherhood. Oh, the fatherhood. Everyone liked that one, right? With Alex Lee. Alec Lee. Sorry. How did that do? Let's look on. Um, we're behind the scenes now with our audience. And we're looking at um, how the podcasts have done. And pretty good downloads. Dropping like a rock. But actually, it, it, it all catches up in time, right? Yeah. More or less. And everyone. Yeah, the charts oh, look, don't change. This is December 14th, which is... Um, a very sad day for me. It's 19 years to the day that my mother passed away. I can remember it like it was yesterday. So these things have an important, a profound effect upon us, you know, as human beings, we remember these things. Uh, I don't want to get maudlin. You know, it is what it is. It was a long time ago. It seems like it happened yesterday, 19 years ago on a cold December day. And I remember having a flight to New York and the whole funeral thing. God, what a mess. That's what life is. It's messy, isn't it? Like, I think I wrote in um, God, Faith, and Reason, the Israeli Special Forces guy I run into says, we never know where we're going to die. Does anyone remember that line? That was a great line. What a cheerful day this is going to be with me starting you off with. <laughs> <laughs> Um, where is this dinner with an atheist where is this one you know this is actually one of my favorite books was this written before my mom anyway God Faith and Reason it's an important book for me I'm only mentioning it because I don't think I do enough podcasts on on religion or God. Lotus from the muck. I began as a Buddhist formless. <laughs> that's a pretty good line. Come on. That's a great line, isn't it? <laughs> In time shaped as I was by my parents, my sister, even by my sacrificed brother, Jerome, Jewish became my identity as a cultural being. But what was this religion I belonged to? Was it merely candles flaming me to sleep on Friday? Eve's like two golden rails. If you quietly drifted off in your father's lap, squinting up long enough to distort the twin flames. I'm a writer. I'm a damn good writer. And no one knows it. People don't even know what a good <laughs> what a good writer is these days. So what we could do on Friday, 
Doug, you created, we, we talked about it yesterday about taking the, the YouTube piece that I had done, which was entitled what? Recall when it pasta was, was spaghetti. When pasta was spaghetti. I, it was a long YouTube piece I did last fr- uh, weekend, right? I got lonely for my audience. Right. I put it up and then we took it down after 24 hours under my live. It was really a good one. What exactly is in when pasta was spaghetti? Maybe you will force that upon the audience this Friday. <laughs> uh, it was, well, it started off being about these short, yeah, poem uh, you wrote when pasta was spaghetti. You gave a little background about it. But what I really liked about it is it this evolved is- into the story of how you went from a young savage um and then writing when pasta was spaghetti and how it how it uh, changed you. Uh, it, it talked about celebrity chefs. You talked about how anxiety is life uh, up until now, how you went from a young idealist to who you are now. What a grizzled, depressed old man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, about about your plant collections going into the museum. And it, it covered oh, everything. yeah, this is a tough time for me because I'm, I'm, I'm spending, spending years now. taking everything I've ever created and all the side pieces that flew off the table, like the plant collections, which were accepted. And they are in a museum right now or across. I don't even want to say where they are because I don't want the crazies to, to go and bother anybody with it, but it's in it's in an Ivy league university because the, the hard sciences have not really been damaged by the left to date. They have not yet. They don't have the brains to even understand how to damage the hard sciences. They're too stupid worrying about brainwashing our poor children with the sexual deviancy. So, um, yeah, my plant collections are in the museum. The head of this amazing human being came to visit my Hill house the other day. And, um, she is the head of Western collections of authors, Western authors at the university. They have the largest Mark Twain collection in the world. I, I, this is all so important to me. They've agreed to take my manuscripts and writings and memorabilia. So she wanted to come after we had been communicating for six months to one of my facilities to see the vast of the collection she you know because it's hard to describe and we went through stuff we sat and we had tea and we were all there everything was there and then i have the archivist patty who created a sample box of materials that um it's a general selection of the content of things i've written unpublished manuscripts letters back and forth to publishers all sorts of things it's hard to describe But um, I said to her, I said, you know, no doubt you're probably politically liberal, but I said, that's irrelevant. She said, no, no, it doesn't really matter what my politics are in this museum. She Mm -hmm. said, my task is to get a wide assortment of the most important authors of the West Coast. She said, without regard to their political orientation. And she named some people on the right that she has in there that I didn't even know. And... um, so I said, well, how, how, how would you protect this collection from lunatics who come in there and want to destroy it? She said, they can't just walk into this facility. It's a locked facility, number one. It's a very important rare collect. It's rare collections. So it's actually in, good, in a good place. And I had said to her, you know, I'm still working. I'm doing two podcasts. She said, you're working harder than ever. She said, just looking back on a life is very hard. And it is. It's exhausting. It's, it's wearing me out. You know, don't look back. The Bible was right. Trying to analyze your own life, looking backwards is murder. It's been really actually eating me up a little bit. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Look, this is not really podcast material for Friday, but maybe people want to know a little bit about this. I don't know. What do you think? No, I, I think it's interesting. I think when the one of the most important things that she said, and I don't want to, say her name or anything but she said 
it's supposed to be an intellectual community where we can express different ideas. And she was very classically liberal. And I think that you both kind of had that middle ground with her that was really refreshing because we've moved away from that in society. Right. Right. So they have a, a wide collection of authors of the West Coast. And I, I said, well, who do you have on the right? She mentioned them. I swear I don't remember because it was a blur. And um, I also offered to support a, to fund a graduate student to actually once she has my collection. See, she can't even accept so much as a piece of paper. It's funny which what she wanted to take with her. She wanted a copy of the New Yorker magazine. She said I could look it up online. I said, no, I have one hard copy here. But Janet found a whole box of them at the office. People don't realize that the profile that the New Yorker wrote about me, I'm the only person in the history of talk radio to have ever been profiled. And she said to me, it's important to you. I said, well, I grew up on the New Yorker and some of my great cultural heroes were were profiled. I, I think Lenny Bruce, great jazz musicians were profiled. Yeah. So to me, there were people in the ethers who got profiled in the New Yorker. How it ever happened is, be, is beyond me. Because the writer's obviously a, a member of the liberal establishment in the old true sense of liberal. You know, open-minded, that's what liberal meant. <laughs> How would it become today? So that, um, gee, I don't even have a copy to hold for show and tell right now. <laughs> but that profile is an important one. And I told her the story of how it happened on the radio, how I was reluctant to do it, how I thought he'd skewer me, blah, blah, blah. But mainly it's unpublished manuscripts, published manuscripts, uh, works in progress that will never be published, things like that. And then the memorabilia. She wanted to see correspondence with publishers, and I have a file of that. And then things people have sent me over the years. The one thing I don't have is listener email, listener letters. I once was saving them, you know, the crazy stuff. Ryan had put together a box of them. I think I threw them all out. I just, it, it's actually very interesting, the things people would send from Jesus items to Moses items to Satanistic items. I got tons of correspondence from prisoners, for example, who correspond with me. I, I don't have it anymore. I think I threw, threw it all out. <laughs> that would be something a scholar would probably have found interesting is prisoner emails, how they latch on to you in the, on, on the radio and you become a part of their life. I guess they were allowed to listen in jail and you're a voice in their head and you represent a voice of total freedom to them. Free spirit, free mind, free speech. And they hear you rambling or rapping on and they say, Jesus, I'd like to know that guy. And they think that they know you because they're trapped in this prison. Yeah, I'm trying to imagine, you know, what it is that prisoners here and talk radio at least used to hear today. It's become so didactic and one sided and boring and predictable. I don't think anyone would listen. Even well, we are. We all were prisoners, though. You know, prisoners of, of you know, d driving to work, listening to you in the car. Prisoners of I'm at work. I'm secretly listening to my radio, listening to the show or sitting at home. So. You know, the other people in my house can't hear it, but I'm listening to the radio. Yeah, you know, everybody's trapped. And it's, it's, uh, you know, it, it was a point of view nobody else had at the time. Well, I know my mom too. She was a homemaker and she said that listening to talk radio, it gave her, you know, she's doing the dishes, changing diapers, but she was able to have intellectual stimulation listening to talk radio if it was intellectually stimulating just, instead yeah. of just beating you to death with with republican good democrat bad yeah now it's what they use at guantanamo bay as torture audio is say it again i said they now use current talk radios torture audio for guantanamo bay. <laughs> oh, that's a funny <laughs> line you just made that up i hope yeah i did <laughs> <laughs> so they make the prisoners at guantanamo bay listen to um the uh, plastic conservatives of our time I'm not trying to throw any shots at anybody, but <laughs> oh, I, I am so fed up with these plastic conservatives. I actually detest them more than the left. People are so easily lied to and gold. I had to stop listening. I, I haven't listened now for I tweeted this the other day. I said, Prager, you is run by a shrew. He took PPP money and laid it on you. Well, a lot of them got mad. Why are you attacking people on our side? I said, when is corporate taking corporate welfare and printing uh, mail order degrees a conservative value? 
When did that become? A, people are so easily gold. What you got to do is say certain keywords and they think you're a conservative or bash a liberal. And suddenly that makes you a conservative. It's sickening. Who, who better to police our own side? If we're going to call it our side, it's up to us. We have to police what we do. We have to police our type. We have to police our kind. You can't leave it to the left to control the right. You can't leave it to the right to control the left. They have to control themselves. And part of the problem is nobody is doing it. It's just running rampant on both sides. You know, the crazier the left gets, the more support they're getting from the left. No, There's no watchdog. You know, who watches the watchers? You brought that up before. You know, that, that's our job is to watch both sides, but especially our own. You can't ignore our own people just because they're on our side. That's what I'm trying to say. The plastic conservative is a greater threat to this country than the liberal. The liberal is outrageous, like Mayorkas, of what he's done to this country, opening the borders like a can of sardines. Uh, he should be arrested. Never mind. Never mind. Fire. That's not strong enough. He's committing treason with what he's doing. He's the enemy within that type. Marching around in charge of the borders and he opened the borders and all they're saying is he should resign. What kind of opposition party is this? The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. Well, we look at the, uh, this, the what's going on with uh, Bankman Freed. I asked the other day, is Freed fried? So it was a nice play on words. I got a nice email back from Breitbart. They said, great play on words. But I received an interesting email from Josh over at um, Breitbart. Josh Klein, who writes a lot about me, he's a great guy. And I, we went back and forth on this issue. And I said, is Freed fried or will he escape? And Josh wrote back, brilliant play on words. The answer is that the answer to that will be seen over time. But I think he was being willingly used by smarter people for serious money laundering and kickbacks. Just can't wrap my head around the fact that serious hedge funds, money managers involved themselves with his, quote, business that had zero bookkeeping slash internal controls. Nothing existed. Something bigger had to be going on, unless I'm totally off on this one. And I said, you're applauding, Karen. I said, makes sense. He rose so fast, had to have a little help along the way. But now the helpers will throw him to the wolves. He knows too much. He got giddy and talk is his creepy and talk is that his creepy girlfriend is working a plea deal through a top law firm who was connected to the Southern District of New York to throw fried under the bus. Turns out a multi-billion dollar company used QuickBooks with a market value of $30 billion. Use QuickBooks, which is software typically used by smaller, medium-sized businesses to manage FTX's finances. So then Josh wrote back, all sounds exactly right. Coming from the son of an accountant, it always made no sense how serious people in the business world were anywhere near this kid and company. So now it's a matter of how much he knows. I honestly think he's lucky in a way, meaning he doesn't know enough that he'll be Epstein, but he'll take the fall. Well, he's in a prison in the Bahamas. How long that will last, right? Is anyone's uh, idea. Now, here's some podcast notes that Doug sent. That's what I was getting at. I was thinking that this Friday I would do when pasta was spaghetti or a speculator in a garden of numbers. Everyone's talking about Bankman Fried or Freed. And I remember writing a story called Speculator in a Garden of Numbers, which is based upon a true story in my life when I became a speculator in Coco and lost every lost my all my my life's fortune which was forty thousand dollars at the time it's a fascinating story which i'm going to get right now because it may be with a good podcast Doug, you, you wrote some notes right yeah i have them right here you said well with what's going on with bankman freed read from the speculative story in parts and expand as you go about the story of bookstore owner making money plans dreams then losing the money and having to go back to life in the bookstore well that was actually a funny story the um speculator in a garden of numbers it's appeared in this book and it's based on the true story of my life but i i fictionalized it and it's about a man named sam that's what made it even more interesting to me wow. sam the speculator in the garden of numbers and he owns a bookstore and 
even as a bookstore owner, he always dreamed of making money. You know, there's not a person, even the most devout communist who doesn't want to get rich. The thing to remember, <laughs> most of them do become very rich. So um, he talks about the death of the yawn man. That's a story I told. The yawn man gets cancer. And his father was a moderate man who never speculated or invested. He only worked hard in his store and made enough money to keep the family going. The boy named Sam, now a shaky man of 31, had on his own managed to accrue or have been a small fortune. The young man managed to save between eighty dollars and $90,000 in a little more than three years. The cash sat in a safe cemented into the basement floor of Sam's mother's house. This is all made up. The young bookstore owner let it sit there without making any investments. He distrusted Wall Street as a result of his father's indoctrination over the years and never learned much about any other financial opportunities available to the small investor either. Anyway, I don't want to read the whole story. So Sam was an avid reader. He not only sold books, but inherited that love for the written word that was woven through the fabric of his people. He had just read a small book about useful plants of the world and was convinced that coffee and cocoa were highly underpriced products of the soil. Cocoa, he thought, was an agricultural product with good associations. Through an acquaintance in his bookstore, Sam learned of the commodity exchanges, where products of every kind were bought and sold by both those who utilized the products and those who merely speculated or invested on the rise and fall of prices. So then Sam finds about commodities and he contacts a commodities broker. And he decides to invest his money in, he looks at the value of cocoa and he thinks it's going to go up. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. And remember now, he's a left-wing bookstore owner, Sam. Complete left-wing New York guy. And um, he makes an investment finally in the cocoa exchange through the broker of 30,000 net pounds of cocoa beans. For $2,300, he would be able to buy one contract of cocoa on a margin account basis. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so he goes into the cocoa futures business. And on paper, he makes money. He bets just exactly at the right time. So he puts more money in. And he's getting up in the morning. He's taking Valium at night. He's so nervous over all of this because he's not an he's not a um, investor. It turns out the broker screws him and puts him into a short selling position and he can't get out of it. And he watches his fortune drift away and he can't control it because once you make a short bet, you can't get out of it. If you study at the end of it, he loses everything. <laughs> it's a funny story. And then. What happens to this? Oh, so while he's making money and the money's running up, he um, he be, he decides he's a rich man, what his life is going to really, really become. The speculator was no longer preoccupied with his obsessional questions about himself nor anything but his investment. For the first time in his adult life, he could honestly say he was happy. This is why he was making money on paper. He became happy. Of course, his bliss was not to last. Somewhere within a self-monitoring sense, it began to signal alerts. Quote, can Adam have been created to watch numbers and make phone calls? Then came this thought. How real is a garden of numbers? Is this what you've been seeking all your life? These questions were soon replaced by others more direct. Do you really want to use your years watching numbers? Is sitting in front of a big board making buy and sell orders the best you've dreamed for yourself? The answers came in a series of images rather than in words. Sam saw himself a gray haired man quite on in years at the head of an oak dining table surrounded by a s smiling family. <laughs> Even his smallest dependents were protected by the tapestry covered walls. And Sam was the wisest elder of the tribe. How I achieved my wealth would be immaterial to my heirs, even the occasional poet among them. So long as they're remembered in the will, after all the reasoning continued, the money won't be earned illegally, will it? But then Sam also saw himself as a doctor doing research in a lonely corner of a lonely room. Like so many Jewish men of his generation, somewhere within there was a latent healer. He had also considered devoting himself to becoming a serious writer who would write popular books about the right foods to eat, how to avoid being swindled, corruption in government, and even a series of instructional science books for children. While evaluating these possibilities, Sam glanced at the clock in his shop, then picked up the receiver of his phone to call his broker for the day's closing price for cocoa. 
It closed 1.75 for the day, Sam, at $65 even. Sam was sickened. Had he waited a little longer that day, he would have profited by $300 more per contract or $600 more for the day. Oh, what a nervous fool I was, thought Sam. Damn, what if it goes up tomorrow? So then Sam keeps watching the cocoa go up and down, and eventually he, he throws most of his money into it, into a short sell. And he's suddenly thinking he's getting rich. While the investor was mentally redecorating his study in his apartment, having the most sophisticated electronics installed, should he deal with several brokers and need a separate line for each? A guilty thought broke through his ego defense system. Quote, all this money and you spend it on yourself? You don't think of giving something? Immediately, Sam placated his God with a fully equipped medical center for the Hill Tribes of New Guinea. He would also give the clinic a good doctor, a nurse, and an anthropologist should they want one. Placated by this offering, the God resumed his other business, leaving Sam to his redecorating. Now a perfectly designed sound system, then an expensive antique tufted leather couch. He had seen seven years before. It cost $6,000 at the time for the occasional visits by his broker. Actually liked Sam, not just for the size of his account, but because he was a really good person and on and on. So Sam thought. Anyway, I'll, I'll cut to the chase. So at the end of the day, it turns out that the broker did something to him and he was trapped in a short position. He was losing $300 for every one cent rise per contract for a total of $2,400 per one cent or $4,800 each day. The price closed up the limit. Now, remember, this is in the six, the 60s. You change these numbers by 10. Frantic, he smelled a fraud on the broker's part, guessing the broker was in collusion with the floor trader. Then the broker gave him the horrifying, horrifying news that at least explained the unprecedented rise in price of cocoa and the refusal to sell on the part of so many speculators. A report from Ghana, which would be mailed to him that day, indicated a smaller crop than expected. Wholesale buyers were grabbing every pound of cocoa they could get in the 70 cent range and keeping all contracts they had bought at lower prices. Sam conceded fleeing the country, considered fleeing the country with the remainder of his assets. Margin calls began to come in with each morning's mail. Each day, Coco closed up the limit. He was required to add $4,800 to his account to face liquidation, so make it $48,000. By Friday, he added $14,000 to his account, make it $140,000, mainly from cash sources that could not be shown in a bank transaction. The paranoia of bringing $48,000 to a different agency each day and requesting a cashier's check made out to the famous brokerage house required four tranquilizers daily to keep the speculator from breaking down. After one more torturous week, and he learned that at last he was out, his eight contracts had been executed at 80.50 cents each. He dreaded the arithmetic that followed. The four contracts, blah, 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 and I go through the mathematics. It had cost him $36,000, less the few hundred he had made on the first few trades. So let's say it cost him $360,000, which he didn't have. Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. But here's the punchline. After the loss, Sam was a changed person. That is, he reverted to a former self. The fallen ego could only pick up where it found itself, and that was where Sam had been about 10 years before when he was a struggling poet. Not unexpectedly, he began to think and feel as he had during that time. He now hated all capitalists. <laughs> And capitalism and believe those in poverty were the only people capable of understanding life for what it is. <laughs> he felt somehow ennobled for having gone through such hell and in a way was somehow more content with his life than he had been before his investments crashed. But it was not always clear in Sam's mind that he was better off for having lost and gained. And then he goes, lays in bed every morning and, um, curses himself for not for having bailed out had the only, because Coco starts to go through the ceiling. Coco was now at its all time high. Every few days, Sam would phone a different commodity broker at other companies, introduce himself as a potential investor just in town from Honolulu and get the closing price for Coco. It was still going up every day. Oh, how it hurt him those mornings when the figures would rudely gallop across his mind. And he adds up how much he would have made. And then he says, well, what would I have done with the profit? Bought myself a Mercedes 300 SL. Would you have used any of that money responsibly to help others? You would have been hooked for life. 
All you would have been able to do is trade commodities. Is that what you wanted for yourself? Would this have fulfilled your dreams? After the conscience came the reasoning voice of his father. Maybe you would have made a couple hundred thousand over the years and built a new life. But where would you be if you lost everything then? Suicide? At least now you have the bookstore and a life for yourself. Sam continued to speculate on what might have been, coupled with images of King Midas in a room filled with gleaming gold coins, came other images from his childhood. Now, remember, his name is Sam, like Sam Bankman-Fried. So when I see this guy waddling around in his shorts, this ADD uh, a vegan, I can relate to this kid in many ways. I mean, I don't hate him. He was this Bankman-Fried was no doubt a brilliant mathematical mind. He went to math camp. His parents were smart and he went into this world and he became a complete thief. And, you know, and so now this bookstore owner, Sam, he talks about he remembers what his father telling him that men could not create a human in a laboratory. No matter how much they thought they knew, the sperm and the egg would be required. From that time onwards in his life, Sam wondered about the intricacies of the human body, not only about how much could go wrong and did not. But about such simple things as the infinite possibilities of motion in the human hand. Throughout his high school years and even into his years as a biology student in college, Sam would often drift off at his desk by gazing at his right hand, slowly moving his fingers through a maze of motion. He would marvel that even in an age of electronic miracles among a, a species that was sending a projectile 91 million miles into space, accurately coming within a few miles of the planet Mercury. No one had ever been able to create a machine capable of duplicating all possible movements of their own hand. Once again, Sam inhabited this world of wonder. As a result of his loss, he ceased speculating for capital gains and began once again to wonder about those everyday occurrences that, in fact, are the only true capital of every man. That's my story, the speculator in a garden of numbers. And coincidentally, it's placed in my book, a savage life next to a picture of my grandfather, Sam, who I call the astronaut of the family, who call the astronaut of the family who came over here with nothing, owned a fancy tailor shop and died at 48 years old of a heart attack. He was the astronaut. He made handmade suits. Would you believe it? I don't know where he got that skill from. Anyway, so that's the story of the speculator in a garden of numbers. He goes back to his life in the bookstore and he becomes a socialist communist. <laughs> Which actually tells us the story of the world. When you have money, you're a capitalist. When you lose money, you're a communist. I mean, doesn't that summarize it all in a way? And that behind the scenes, almost every communist dreams of making a quick fortune some way. Doug says clip of YouTube to be edited. Clips of Fat Al's tuna airliner flight when pasta added. Notes, evolution of a young savage when pasta was spaghetti to modern times. What do you think, Doug? I mean, we just did about 20 minutes of, of uh, speculator in a garden of numbers, which what, what are we going to do with it? Can we use any of this for the podcast for Friday? Yeah, that, there's there, there's a couple of ideas running in my head. Um, uh, the first one is I can pull the part where you were reading. Um and with an intro, I can put that into Friday's podcast as the open and then close with the YouTube piece. Yeah, done all the jobs I've had. I was going to do a podcast on that. Yeah. Then in January, I said I would read from the political zoo, abuse of power, and we'd interview Jeff Rovin again. All right. But we could even do that in, in, in December, just end the podcast and go out of business. too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, we have Mike Pompeo coming up in January. It, did he agree to the interview? He said yes, but he they want to do it closer to the release date. So it'll be in January. So that's I, good. We'll I, have something lined up. I've always admired him. I think he'd make a great president. Yeah. West Point. Um, Army career. I've seen Curry. a lot of his post, you know, post-administration comments he's made over time have been really on point. So yeah, he's I think been, you guys all have a great show. And we have the Christophobia as well, dog, right? Yeah. We have what? Uh, the You did a short video on uh, Christophobia Explained. It was a video on YouTube? 
By the way, how do you talking like Sam now, the um, commodities broker? How do these people make a fortune as YouTube stars? I don't even understand that world that I read about last night. There are unknown people making millions of dollars a year on YouTube. How? They get a lot of them get like sponsorships, but also a lot of it is just kind of there's a lot of people out there making no money. Right. No, so no. Wait a minute. Like like I have a YouTube channel. So we put stuff up there. Some of it is uh, original material and they put ads on it. Right. Yes. Yeah, we do that. But I only have five to ten thousand viewers generally in my in my in viewing here, here. Trump's Kanye disaster plus the plastic conservative hit eleven thousand. But I'm basically under ten thousand views and I have a large following. How do I make people know there's even a YouTube channel? The, the trick is, isn't the number of views, so to speak. It's the number of subscribers and the number of people that have. If you've ever watched any of these videos, every video would, would start off with, if you like this video, click like and subscribe and hit the little alarm in the corner. See, I never people do that. People are notified every time. Well, how do I do that? you got to remind me to do that. The next time I do a YouTube, tell me what to do, because I would like to build my audience. Because my material is gold, and I think more people deserve to hear the genius of Michael Savage while yeah. it, while he's still producing stuff. I also think some of the biggest accounts and the ones that make the most money are ones that are apolitical in nature. And I think Doug would probably agree. Like some of them are just prank videos. A what? Like prank videos, like just kind of very base, generic. Elementary uh, in other words, stupid. Yes. Okay. Well, stupid's not but my now. middle name. <laughs> no, no, I understand. So it's stupid, idiotic stuff. I think like, I think you would make more money probably if you just did videos with your dogs <laughs> in cars. Yeah. Right, I dog, get, right. Right. Well, I'm not out to make the money. I mean, I'm past that point, but I would. Yeah. I actually do profit sharings with you. Michael Savage, a host like no other. So here's one I was going to do. All the jobs I've had in no particular order. Comic book salesman, floor sweeper, statue cleaner, mortuary assistant, teacher, social worker, science consultant, dishwasher, busboy, book editor, clothing store salesman, ice cream factory line worker, postman, chauffeur, butcher boy, real estate salesman in the Bahamas, no less. Alzheimer's research scientist, plant collector, talk radio host, and others. I think that would make for a fun podcast. And each one of those key words under all the jobs I've had trigger memories in, in, in my mind of stories I could tell. And I should uh, add, I should add mortuary assistant to it. <laughs> I think Doug and I discussed, I think that's a great idea. And the Jeff Rovin, as we kind of close out, we're almost at the end of the year. So. We are. Yeah. We're getting, we've got. Oh two my weeks. God. Yeah. Karen, you've got to take a vacation though. Um, no, I actually have to in February, though. So we'll prepare for that, though. Well, anytime you guys need time off, be sure not to take it. <laughs> the machine must go on. God, I've had this cold for a month. Thank God it's this immigrant cold. Wherever you go, everyone's got this, you know, virus from the immigrants. That I mean, you bring four million immigrants into a country most of whom have endemic illnesses and they don't know why the hospitals are overwhelmed. The emergency rooms are overwhelmed. It's a mirror mystery to all the great doctors and scientists and journalists where this flare up has come from. Yeah, but I wrote immigrants and epidemics a long time ago. So no matter how careful you are, I eat in restaurants, I'm sure. Right. I'm not one of these people walking around with a mask and a plastic shield on like in the height of COVID. Remember those people? Well, they're still out there. How about driving around in a car with a mask on? Hello, you're alone, moron. We gonna get it from the radio. <laughs> some people just some people need a mask. They feel good in a mask. Well, the wrong people don't wear them. I wish Biden would wear one and never hear from him again. A muzzle. <laughs> oh. Well, I think we've covered a pretty good ground here how uh, how long have we gone does anyone know about 45 50 minutes yeah about 40 well about 40 i think i'm giving minutes. doug enough to work with 
And I don't know about cutting a piece out of this for uh, the bonus. Maybe we can uh, find a previously uh, cut YouTube piece. Can we take some of the Newsmax shows that have not been run and run them as uh, a bonus pod or we don't we don't do that? No, I, 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 I could do that quite easily. We have a few of them, don't we? Uh, recent ones, we have about four. Maxine Waters took 12 million through top for our husband's bank. We never ran that, right? No, that's a good one. Biden swaps dribbler for arms dealer. Yeah. I mean, those are the, the most recent ones. Those are easily done. Maybe the, how, how many minutes are those together with 10 minutes and, and um, seven is 17 minutes right there. Doug is the um, 12 million through top and Biden swaps dribbler. Why don't we run it as Maxine Waters took 12 million through top for a husband's minority owned bank. Call yeah. it that and run a few um, these together for our bonus pod. Can we do that? I, if, if I take the last two, the Maxine Waters and the Biden swaps dribbler, uh, those two together are 20 minutes. All right. Well, there's our bonus pod for Thursday. I'll, I'll make that as a bonus pod and get that up later today. Can you do all this work, the two of you? Yeah. Yeah. This, but uh, editing audio is uh, what I do. Uh, that's easy. Um, it well, just takes time. I know. I understand. I don't want to overwork you. So. So I'll get the bonus pod up and ready. Uh, we just Next. Need, we'll just need an opening explaining that. Oh yeah, no, no, we need an opening for the Friday podcast. Of what it, what it is we're actually doing? Right. What, what I don't. What are we calling it? The Friday pod. I don't think when pasta with spaghetti is necessarily going to be the better title right now. <clears throat> I think since the orientations about this speculator in the garden of numbers, yeah, uh, we could call it the speculator in a garden of numbers. What do you think? I like that one more. Yeah. Will they under will the people understand that? Once they hear the story, yes. I think but I think it's more intriguing of a headline, of like a of a title. The how about the speculator in a garden of numbers plus when pasta was spaghetti combined? Wh which of those two titles in your mind would attract more interest as a About single the speculator in a garden of numbers and plus the evolution of a young savage. No, I don't want to make it too esoteric, Doug. Once I started with the word evolution, they'll turn it off. We don't know how long people listen anyway. I think the Sam Bankman Freed, all we need on that speculator is an intro of what we're doing and how. I almost did it in the discussion saying his yeah. name was Sam, but I could, I could, we, we could all write a whole new intro explaining why we're doing this and where it came from. Right. Yeah. And then I could improvise around that. That's a whole podcast right there. Do we really need the other one? Pasta video, the pasta with spaghetti one. I mean, we, we can save. I mean, the, the when pasta with spaghetti is much more of a evergreen piece. What's it um, about? I don't even know what it is. It, li literally, you 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 started your video wanting to talk about the the poem when pasta was spaghetti, and you just it just you branched off into everything. <laughs> well, will it have will it have value next Friday, a week from Friday? Yeah, yeah, it, it's evergreen. It's not okay. It's not oh, so save when pasta was spaghetti for another time. Let's not throw it's, everything out in one day. Next. Friday is going to be the holiday weekend. So that it is good. Yeah, yeah it's what? already. Let me get yeah. the calendar. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's upon us. Yeah. Oh my God. It's gonna be it's gonna be the eve of Christmas Eve. Oh my goodness. Oh. Eve Eve. <laughs> what is today's date? Today is the fourteenth. Right, mom's memorial day. <sighs> Unless, Doug, we're not planning on doing a holiday. All right. The 23rd is what you're saying. Yeah. And and the Jewish holiday of Hanukkah, the first night of Hanukkah is the 18th. That's this Sunday. Mm. Uh, the 14th. So hold it one minute before we go. I got something. Okay. <coughs> so 19 years to the day 
my mother of sacred memory passed away like it was yesterday there there's mama savage famous from radio days i'm so glad she lived long enough to hear me on the air and actually became a little a little star oh. um and what we do in our tradition i think every tradition has we have memorial candles and the that you light. Do you have that in the Catholic tradition, Karen? Yeah. That's actually become really, I don't know if it's necessarily Christian, but I, definitely agnostic and like, right, Doug? Like I see people do that online a lot. They say light a candle and remembrance. Yeah, I, I could probably do a YouTube today. You know what's going to happen later. I can feel it already. <laughs> I'm going to wind up lighting a candle and doing a YouTube piece in memory of Mama Savage, if I can, but I'll probably go to pieces and I won't do it. I, I just did an emotional guy. I don't even know where to begin. Well, what am I going to begin? Start crying? What can I do? They would love that. That would sell very well. <laughs> you know, break down, pour your heart out. Jesus, that sells really well. Well, I think we're we're good today, guys. I think we did a nice job. Let's uh, say so. This completes. Let's get the clicker now. The marker. Click. <laughs> this completes. This completes the podcast recording for Friday. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage. <laughs>